Hello and welcome to this week's Tapping Up. Quite a lot to go through this week with two Premier uh, League game weeks and the transfer window as well. Um, so we'll get straight down to it. So over to you, Daryl. Leeds. Yeah, it's not been the best of weeks, I'll be honest. Um... Changed the tune a bit from the last podcast. <laughs> where flying high, two wins and a draw. All uh, changed around. Uh, yeah. I'm not being smug much yeah, after the turnaround uh, after the two two games. Really but... looking forward to doing this episode. It's going to be a right laugh. Um, Brighton. I'll get I'll get straight into it, shall I? Just because I get over that game as quickly as possible. An absolute write off. They are going to do very very well this season, ignoring the fact that they've just lost to Fulham. Um, they're very good at home, and I think a lot of teams will go to. Uh, is it still Amex? Is it still Correct, the, yeah. the changed as of yet? But um, yeah, a lot of people will go to them and will struggle. They're very organised, very very good at what they do, and they just completely nullified us. We didn't really do anything that would make me think that the result was unjustified. Um, if anything, they probably should have scored more, and I can see why their fans get frustrated about not winning games and taking advantage when they're on top because they missed a lot of good chances before they scored. Ironically, our best chance of the game, Sinistera, you've got me saying Sinistera now, uh, Sinistera comes on, um, open goal, puts it wide, which probably been a bit harsh and I'm not going to down-talk him because obviously we'll come on to him um, in the Everton game, but he's got to score that and then he misses and they go up over end and score because of our defensive frailties, but yeah, I'm not. not so you can bothered. smash him in from 25 yards, but can't score from exactly, yards. exactly that. I'm not too fussed. I'll be honest about that, just because I expected it. Pretty sure I said it on last week's that Brighton were going to win. They're, they've got our number. There's just something about us going there. It's seven games in a row now that we've gone down there. Not only have we lost uh, this one, I don't think we've lost every game, but we haven't scored a goal against them in seven games. You hit the nail on the head. I would have been in total agreement with it. And I said before, I think they're a decent team. A lot of teams will lose points to Brighton and they will do very well. And then the nature of the league, they're going to lose to fucking Fulham. <laughs> so I, I kind of... That that has to be an asterisk by it. If they hadn't lost to Fulham and had done them over, I think you could have been a bit happier. But that just shows you the kind of the nature of the league. You know, Fulham are not a good team. Well, the best We're saying teams that, but then they've done Bre- Brighton and they've also got points against Liverpool <laughs> as well. So Fulham are one of those teams, maybe they're up their game to the highest standard, but they can't match it when they, they play the lower league teams. But um, yeah, it, it, that asterisk is say, I don't think it was a bad result until Fulham beat Brighton midweek. That was what kind of I made still it a bit don't of a downer. Think, yeah, I get that. I still don't think it's a bad result. Just... It's not a good result, is it? You know, lost a game. It's not as I'm um, raving about the fact that we've lost against uh, Brighton, but it's not one that I'm going to be losing sleep over, I'll be honest. Um, I'll move on swiftly to our second before we, we come on to you, smug prick. Um, but Everton, I think, is two points dropped just because they are absolutely dog shite. They're the new Burnley, if Burnley were ten times worse at times wasted. Um, they scored with their first attack with um, Gordon, who is just an horrible little player. Obviously, they kept hold of him and it's a big coup for them, but horrible, horrible player. Time-wasting constantly. Picked the ball up three times on three separate occasions for our free kicks and just threw the ball away. I was sat in stands getting absolutely irate and there were people berating referee. And he gave him three talkings to and said, one more time and I'll book you. I'm like, what? what is going on? And didn't book him at no. all? He booked him in the second half, not for time-wasting, but for squaring up to, I think it was Christensen. Uh, they both did the thing where footballers put their head against each other and no one's ever going to hit each other. Um, oh, so Darwin gets a red card for that. But that happens <laughs> and that's just a little talking to him. So it's the worst headbutt in the world when Darwin does it. I can't believe what that just turned around and put his head against him. But... Um... Yeah, I mean, you were at the game. I was kind of keeping an eye on it from home and um, via various kind of uh, uh, Bet365 and a few other things. I don't remember that such one-sided statistics for a draw. You know, a dangerous attack, shots on goal. You were absolutely all over them according to the stats. So, And we were, yeah. For the one time that stats don't lie, it, it was horrendous to watch. Uh, Pickford was taking... 20 seconds, each goal kick at a minimum. He was doing the thing where he picks the ball up, walks to the other side of the six-yard box and takes it. Referee was doing the thing where he holds his hand up in the air and touches his watch as if to say, I'm adding it all on. He then adds on 
Uh, I think it was four minutes in the first half, and I'm pretty sure it was three minutes in the second half. So an added seven minutes time, which sometimes they just add on time don't they, until one team scores. In in some instances, not always for, time, for us it? lower teams. A clock time it is now, but um, yeah, it's two point drops just in that sense. They won't do well this season, and to be honest, eight points from five games, I'm comfortable with that. I'm quite happy with that, especially considering obviously Chelsea are one of the teams that would be. Um, just got to keep it going. Can't disagree with that. I think, um, yeah, it looked like you battered them. Um, Everton are very poor. Obviously, that's the Merseyside derby. Um, Liverpool away to them at half 12 tomorrow. Um, and we'd mentioned before the game that this is one of those yardsticks for Leeds of how far they've come. Um, if they would win and beat them, which they should do, uh, man for man, and the way that they're formed, that would be a good sign for Leeds. Um and then ultimately, yeah, it probably feels like two points dropped, particularly with the, the stats against them and how how Leeds looked like they were doing okay. Bigger blow, I think, from Leeds, if I'm not right, mistaken, in terms of uh, the other match, was it um, Rodrigo going off injured? A was month, I think, is it's, uh, it's been told that he's out for, what well, we've been told that he's out for now. So I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, what would have been nice if, in response to that, Leeds would have and, and gone and bought a ready-made striker. And obviously, we'll come on to that because... Got a few opinions on that myself, but um, yeah, it's never good to see that. I'll be honest, part, this is it's horrible to say. Part of the reason for his injury is that he bottles it, so he gets through on goal. Uh, Pickford runs out and he does the thing where you know oh, I don't want to go in too hard, and then pulls out, and then Pickford catches him on hand or arm, and then he falls onto his own arm, and then dislocates it, and then he's in on gas and air. So I'm just like everybody's like, oh, I hope he's all right. I'm sat there thinking, oh. We should discard that. I'll be honest. But um, one yeah. other point, just to pick up, because it's a big bugbear of mine generally, uh, and I can't stand when teams do it, and you do see it more and more, is time wasting in the first half. When was that ever a thing? Twenty second minute. I'm pretty sure it was. It was just that is nonsense. They scored, and you can see every single set piece that they got, every throw in. Lampard, who is a horrendous manager, and I will not hear anything different. Shouting at the top of his voice, going, you know, doing the calm down symbol, telling him all that sort of stuff. I'm just like, you, if you're an Everton fan watching that, I get that you want to win and nefarious ways and all that sort of stuff, as long as you're winning, which, if I'm not mistaken, they haven't won a game this season. But you can't enjoy watching that. I wouldn't be able to justify paying ridiculous prices that there is these days to go watch football to watch someone time wasting consistently. I think the boring player for probably. If I think they had a start on uh, match of the day to be honest, but I think about fifty odd, sixty odd minutes, which is just that's nonsense. I, I get it at the end of the game, and again, I would be of the, the the older school mindset that that's game management. Eighty five minutes, go for the corners, mm. take your time with goal kicks if you one nil up. But you know that's what you have to do. You can't do that twenty minutes into a game, and the no. ref should be. But got Pickford's horrendous for it. There were other goalies. I mean, Burnley, I seem to remember last year, and Pope was exactly the same. And we'd take a minute, minute and a half until the ref would kind of um, beckon him forward to take the kick. And again, they, the, the refs pretend they give him a warning. This happens a second time. I'll give you a warning. There's a yellow card. If he was on a yellow card for time wasting in the first half, then he's running a tight ref. He's going to carry on doing that in the second he half. He wouldn't do it don't. again. But that, that's exactly... Your point is, is absolutely spot on. If you get booked for time wasting, you don't do it again. It, I've never seen, it's probably happened and there'll be times that I just simply can't recall, but I've never, or I can't think of a certain point where someone's been double booked for time wasting. So booked once, time wasting, and time booked again later and again. Because you just stop it, you know that you're treading that fine line and you wouldn't dare do it. And it's just, it's so easy and that's why it's so infuriating when you see people like Pickford and Andy Gordon doing it. Because you just think, give them that yellow card in the 22nd minute of the game, they will never do it again and the game is completely different. It's weak refereeing and I, I agree with you but what I've also seen uh, on your point is I think I've seen it before where people are on a yellow for time wasting pushing their luck a little bit and the refs probably because of the backlash they get in the media and from fans seem reluctant to want to give a... To, I mean it seems ridiculous to get a red for time wasting or to two yellows but if you're doing it fragrantly and cheating which is what it is against the rules... You should be booked. Yeah, agreed. So I, I think that that would. I'd like to see stronger refereeing. Sit, clamp down on that early on. Someone gets sent off. A bit like you know, uh, a lot of these things. 
over time, people will learn. If the, the referees clamp down on it, the same as they did with diving, the same as they did with other things. It's a, it's a little kind of uh, negative aspect creeping into the game. And you de- again, 10 years ago, never remember a team time-wasting it in the first half. But it definitely seems to be something that seems more prevalent these days. It's just, it's uh, as I say, it's supposed to be cut down on this season. Um, pretty sure one of the things that they said that they were going to cut down on in terms of refereeing is... Um, lesser fouls, so ones where people go down really easy, and time wasting, um, which is why every single Premier League game, which majority did from um, last season and, and before that, and you were, have sort of the multi-ball system, so you see the balls dotted about on the cone, and cones dotted around uh, different areas in the um, sidelines where people can just run and pick the ball up when it goes out for throwing and take it quickly, or you've got ball boys that will help you do that. Um, but then, if you're not going to enforce it, what's the point? It's just... Yeah, infuriating to say the least. But, yeah, um, in, in in agreement with you, and it's uh, it's uh, something they need to drive out of the game. Um, on a more cheerful note, <laughs> and a complete spin round from last week, and you can hear the, the the sadness in my voice. We have a nine nil record equaling battering of of Bournemouth on Saturday, and then a very very fortunate win uh, midweek uh, ninety eight. Minute was it ninety six seventh or ninety eighth minute uh, of how, only ninety five? <laughs> um, a horrible goal as well in terms of I mean nice finish when we're, we're pinging around up in the air. It's, is it? Uh, oh, it was that horrible. But the change again. All of a sudden, um, we're eight points equal with you from a bit of a slow start back up to fifth. Um, feel like normal order is slightly restored. But um, I mean Bournemouth, Bournemouth. As much as I think that was Liverpool. Responding to some of the criticism and probably Klopp giving them a bit, a bit, bit um, uh, uh, shouting in the ear, I think that was fifty-fifty in terms of Liverpool were pretty good and like their game. Bournemouth were woeful, absolutely woeful, and most teams would have handed him a hiding on that day. So yeah. I think it's one of those for me. Any Liverpool fan walking away that oh, it's all over, yeah, that's. I, I, and I said to you, someone was going to get a deserved thumping soon. The way that we've been playing. We hadn't been playing great, but we weren't as bad as maybe uh, the results had shown. But 6-0 at half-time could have been way more. Uh, they were just awful. Well, you, I think you sent me a message saying, uh, title race back on, which I found quite funny. Because we're, at that point, if I remember correctly, I think City were 2-0 down. I was going to say, what you need, that there's the extra contacts there. Not just the <laughs> win puts the title back on, but I think we were 6-0 up at half-time and City were 2-0 down. So that, that I was like, actually, those drop points, City can drop points. Um, I had a um, some family round at the weekend and I was in the garden with them watching uh, the scores come through. And, um, it, yeah, we, we, it, it could have been a cricket score, but that was very contextual. I was saying to people all the time, you cannot write City off. Even 2-0 down, bang. Ireland steps up. He'll be a topic of conversation. I'm going to say we'll, we'll definitely speak about monster, him. Monster, absolute monster. Um, I say we'll keep the stats back and, and talking about him for a, the little uh, segment we've got. But um, so yeah, Newcastle looked good this season. Uh, I thought they were pretty good in the first half. I've seen a fair bit of. Um, I'm not sure how you officially say his name. Isak, Isak, the, mm. the the Swedish striker that spent yep. a bit of money. Lovely goal. Hardly been in the game. Not much of a touch. Really good finish. Looked. Dangerous, dare I say it, slightly Harland esque in that he didn't really have many touches, but the few touches he had looked quality and looked like he might finish it. So I think he's a good signing for them. They paid over the odds, but we were very, I mean, I would have probably at half time I would have taken the draw, but to win feels a bit fortunate, to be honest. Very, very jammy again. I think you have to sometimes be able to have a smile with these things and rather than, oh, we were great, we deserved it. They were by far the better team in the first half and we could have been worse off. So I would have taken a draw. So to get the snatch the win at the end was I'll take that. I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of people are back in Newcastle to probably reach Europe this season, just because massive investment. Obviously, they're backed by a state <laughs> as it stands. But um, yeah, I can just there's something about them. I think that they're they're good and they're clearly improving. I'm still not buying into the old Eddie Howe philosophy I just think that it's just every place that he seems to go he seems to get significant investment for what he's doing so obviously he didn't get massive investment in the context of where um, Bournemouth ended up but he got enough 
to make it seem as though it was quite comfortable for them to stay up, and he probably should have done better um, when he was with them. But Newcastle, how much have they spent? It's got to be in... He also says he's one of those managers that, uh, definitely at Bournemouth. He gets an uptick when he starts. So, I mean, again, he seems to, first season or so, turn it round, and then for whatever reason, whether those ideas stagnate, but like Bournemouth, when he first appointed him, were flying, doing really well, then dropped off. And I kind of can't help but wonder if this is a bit the same. So, and I, I'll be honest, I can't help but feel the owners are looking for an excuse. The money they're spending, I think they feel they should have a higher quality name manager than Howe. So I think, they, I think they did, but I think that was maybe before the gravitas and they they the project expanded, they got those names. I think if you if they were being honest, they would take any excuse to try and get a big name manager in. So if they, those performances drop off, my suspicion would be he might get the heave-ho quicker than the results would dictate. But if that's the case... Please, if there's any footballing god out there, appoint Jose Mourinho as Newcastle manager because that would be a right laugh. That is, though, literally the type of... I could see that all day. Him coming back, he's not been that great, but as a name, you know, they want to have that. And I could see them trying to do some kind of tandem move where they would try to get a name manager and whether that manager's got some links to a big-name player. Neymar screams out to me that... That kind of wages, it's not at the level that people talked about anymore. And that five years he's been at PSG and he's dropped off. He's always fucking injured. That, 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 they're the type of signings I think that the managers, and uh, sorry, the owners would want. And I could easily see a Mourinho and then a marquee of a player who's past their best. You know, wouldn't surprise they could try for Messi, offer him silly money to have a year. Again, it's the name, but what are you actually getting? But again, that's just my view. I'm, yeah. I might be wrong. I mean, he'll almost never go back to Barca. What, in, has he got one more year left at PSG? Um, I think sure. he's at the end of this season. Is it? I've, and I've seen that Barca would want him back. And I also think there was talk of him going to uh, America. America would be the... If he wants to carry on playing, that would be the obvious scenario, I would say, where he'll get a, a fair load of money. I think a lot of players seem to like America in the... LA being the classic example. Even Messi... Is not famous in LA. <laughs> Do you know what I mean that Peter? That anywhere else, he's getting mobbed by. When you've got actors and everything like that, they blend into the background. And I think there's something that footballers, when they've probably had the attention and focus that someone like Messi would have, I think they quite like that anonymity. I know Gerard spoke about that when he went to LA. A few other players have said it about it in other um, American teams in the MLS. So yeah, that, that could I could see some sense in that. There's something not quite fair about talking about being able to be a footballer in LA amazing weather hanging about with the stars ridiculous amount of money while obviously the majority of people in England are talking about how petrol prices are too expensive cost of living's going up and uh, if you buy a kettle for £20 you're going to save yourself £10 cheers Boris yeah. you worry on telling us all about kettles while we're running the country um, um, but yeah I, I think Clearly, and you said this last week, cream rises to the crop. I've got no doubt all the England finishing second. I think Arsenal start to um, tail off shortly. They've had a ridiculously good start to the season, you can't doubt that. But have they played anyone good yet? No, I don't think so. Ah, I completely agree with you. They will definitely tail off. They can't keep it up. Um, again, they've had. They've probably been a bit lucky. Looked like Villa could have got a point in midweek. And maybe they should have battered them by then, but then they get a, a, a latish winner. Again, I think we'll come on to this, but for me, uh, Jesus is a great signing. They've made they've made good signings that are actually in line with maybe the philosophy of um, Arteta and seem to be working. Um, so there'll be a vast improvement. And I'll be honest, they, they could be, with Chelsea seeming to fade off and drop points and definitely not be as good and not having a striker. I know they've signed a Bamiang now, but I'm not sure that's a particularly good signing for them. The way that it's going, Arsenal could probably be the front runners for third. Yeah, I suppose. I, I, again, they need a challenge. Um, I'll get slated by him for saying this, but I, I just want them to see him against a good team. If they go to, I'm not. I'm going to say Chelsea then, not Chelsea at the moment because they're atrocious. If they go to City, City is the the absolute benchmark. You know, City or yourself, go to them, beat Liverpool or City. 
then I'll start to stand up and take notice. And still, until we get to that point, not for me. Agreed. I mean, again, seasons aren't done in five games. No. So everyone can get a bit carried away or they can get a bit, you know, equally if you're bottom of the table, maybe not Bournemouth after the 9-0, but any other team really, they shouldn't be thinking they're written off. If they should have, feel that they've got a chance, you know, it's still time to turn it round. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll probably circle back to that at the end of the season. But each... Their resolution and their, their probably the faith that they've got will build each game. And the, again, I always think once you start getting to fifteen games, there's probably not many times if you look back at a snapshot of seasons, who's the top four after fifteen games and who's ended in the top four. Bet you two or three of those every year are the same. So I think fifteen games in, you could it starts to become a little bit more of an indication of how it went after thirty eight games. Well, back to the the leads eight points from five games thing. There was a stat, again, I can't recall the exact um, numbers on this, but it's something like if you finish, if you finish your first five games with eight points, there is a, and it's something ridiculous, like a 97% chance you stay up. I think someone did it on Twitter to actually calculate that stat, and I think there were two teams that had gone down having started with eight points uh, after five games. One of them, I believe, were Middlesbrough, and that's because they got a points deduction. So... I'm not tempting fate here, but I think Leeds might be all right this season. I want to know who did those stats, because unless they're a journalist or an actuary, they're a gimp. <laughs> Spending their free time working out that, tracking back things. I mean, I like a good stat, but that is gimpy. But yeah, I mean, good stat and encouraging for Leeds. And again, I think if I were a Leeds fan, I'd always come at the stay up first. That 97 science aren't staying up. Um, I'd be happy with that. There were also a stat though, a few years back, and every Leeds fan probably recognises this, is that um, no team who had been top after Christmas, uh, at Christmas, sorry, at the Championship, failed to get promoted. Apart from Leeds United now, so fun, fun. Um, I'll move on to the transfer window, just because obviously that's just ended. Um, A few different parts of this that we've got to unravel. I've got to start, and I'm normally quite level-headed on this, I'm the level-headed one out of us two. But what the fuck just happened last night? Uh, two days ago, I was there talking to you, confident that Leeds set to sign Cody Gakpo. In the Gakpo. gym, nearly <laughs> sticking some money on Gakpo after yeah. his odds going down, weren't you, while we were on the yeah, chest day? All excited, and then within, I think about eight hours from that conversation, he wasn't coming, because Louis van Gaal rung him up and said, don't join Leeds, <laughs> because it'll affect your World Cup. Thanks, Van Gaal. Um, one scum, always scum. Um, and then turned their attention to Huang. That failed because we didn't want to pay enough. Then went for Bamba Dieng. That failed because... That felt like a bit of a saga. <laughs> yeah. that, one, that, that I think you could fairly... Uh, the, the Dieng saga. That, you know, the, the plane and the bits you were saying to me, that sounded slightly embarrassing for these, that one. As far as I'm aware as well, um, I'll have to check this, but I still don't think he signed for Nice. So obviously all that happened, he rejects Leeds at the very last minute, despite a deal being agreed with Marseille. Marseille trying to push him to go to Leeds because they didn't want him to join a, a fellow uh, club in their league. He then says, no, I want to join Nice. Goes to Nice, does a medical, fails the medical, which if there is such thing as karma, that is that in effect, blatantly. And then, obviously, there's the, the joker aspect that they can try and potentially sign him. But, as I say, as far as I'm aware, they haven't looked to push for that signing, because why would you? Well, yeah, I think we've got probably different views overall on this, haven't we? But you were, at one point, nearly hanging from the rafters, saying what a disaster it would be if you didn't get a striker. And I was saying to you, I think Leeds' work has been admired in the transfer window. Aronson looks really decent. Adams is a great replacement for... Um, uh, Phillips at Rocker seems to be doing pretty well. I think you could have quite easily, if nothing had happened, even with the ones falling through and you hadn't got a striker, that would have been a pretty successful window for me if I was a Leeds fan. I'd get, the Rodrigo injury probably made it more important to get a striker. And then, out of nowhere, um, you get this... Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Nonto. Nonto, yeah. who is... Wilfred. Highly rated, in some way. Weird ones that, that he... Ended up in Switzerland anyway, but again, it, 
Italy's youngest ever player and goal scorer and scored against Germany. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's pr- pretty promising. Uh, yes, for the future. So this is one, um, according to The Athletic, that Leeds were going to go in for in January. So they'd lined everything up, agreed a deal, but weren't wanting to go in and get him just yet. Um, biggest issue that we've got here is that Jesse Marsh publicly came out a few weeks ago when he'd been linked and he was asked by one of the journalists, is this a credible link? Is that someone that you're going to go for? He said, yeah, we are interested. However, he is not Premier League ready. Now, it's very difficult to go back on that and obviously he hasn't spoken to the press since Nantes signed and whether he's going to back, try and backtrack or what, but he has to essentially say... Oh, well, I did make that comment, but um, yeah, it's such a good signing on, on transfer deadline day that he's going to go straight into a team to replace Dan James, who I'm still livid about going. Um, probably so what's the a bigger person. backtrack, that from um, Marsh or your owner <laughs> tweeting that you've already got, was it Ben Dieng, Bamba Dieng in yeah. the bag and all of this? Let's so, get uh, by, behind Dieng now and we'll go back for Gakpo. And he spelt Gakpo wrong as well. I think he put Gapko. So, Prime example, owner. Do you make the money? Stay off Twitter. Don't get involved in the management of the football. Don't certainly say you've done something and you haven't done it. Fans just, are just—I mean, you're making it rub for your own back. Well, he then posted a little bit later on saying we've been screwed. I'm like, oh, just give it a rest. Not one single person that's a Leeds fan wants to hear from him on Twitter. Whenever he posts something, it's always leading to disaster. Liking a post that said Leeds are going after Cody Gakpo before anything comes out. You're like, why are you doing that? All you're doing is you set yourself up for a fall and inevitably he did. Um, so I think you made a good point to me when we were talking about in the gym, which was, can you just imagine the, if it's Victor Ortiz or probably Leeds have got a head of media relations or some equally nonsense job title sat there seeing their boss tweet that and thinking, what the fuck have you just it, done? It'd be Kinnear, I think. Angus Kinnear is um, our MD. So he'd sit there and I'm sure he'd be like, uh, why well, have you done this again have you uh, Andrea that's it's the fifth time you've done this and it's it's again not turned out fantastically for you so I don't know I just think he does things he basically creates a stick to beat himself with um, if he stayed quiet and obviously we won't go into owners because that's a, another probably 50 minute podcast on uh, Premier League owners but someone like the Glazers and um, is it FSG on you yeah um Yes, they're not universally liked, to say the least, but you don't really hear from them, and that's kind of what an owner should be like. They should be in the background, not really much attention being paid to them, and obviously in the hope that they don't come out and post tweets and try and get some attention. But, yeah, we'll see. I think can't help but feel I've got to challenge you slightly on that, that you can't stick FSG in the Glazers in the well, same pot. Yeah. Man U fans hate the Glazers. They've just leveraged the club with debt, taking the piss... Our own, I agree with you that if you're just talking on the, the, the context that they don't get involved, but Liverpool fans feel completely different about FSG. We don't hate them. Felt like we like, felt like that about the previous owners, uh, Gillette and... I can't remember the other clown's name, but um, yeah. But yeah, I just feel like I've got to just... I'll, I'll retract it then. I, I feel like yeah. I've got to challenge you there that I don't think they're in the same bar. You see them less involved. Don't see John Henry, for example, Liverpool's owner. Liverpool... Uh, Close to getting mellow on loan, or you know, you, you just you just don't see it. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that point. Yeah, but I mean, I, I won't even agree with on Glazers to be honest. I think that Glazers, obviously, they're hated by Manu, and we're going way off track here. But what they spent about a billion pounds. Um, so I, yeah, no sympathy for them. But um, yeah, your transfer window. Again, if you if you if you look at it as a whole, so you go. You know, before the last day, I was pretty happy with Nunes. So I still think he got a harsh, you can't tell from my comment earlier, I got a harsh draw of the cards. But it, it was probably a red. It was stupid. It wasn't a headbutt. There's no, and as I say, from what you sound like, I didn't see that incident at Leeds. That sounds pretty sick. Putting your heads together is not a headbutt. Um, but that Ramsey, I'm really excited about because I keep banging on about Trent. He can't defend for shit. Scores a screamer against... Um, Bournemouth, which was a screamer. I don't know if you saw it from Longway. Absolutely a screamer. But that doesn't cover up for the defensive frailties. From what I've seen of Ramsey uh, when he was at Aberdeen, pretty good going forward, took corners and set pieces. So he gives you that bit of an outlet, but he can defend as well. So 
I'm keen to see him come back uh, from injury. I think Nunes, as I say, jury's still out. He hasn't really had time. It was an encouraging start before the red card. So I'm pretty happy with both of those. Mello, pretty agnostic about it. It just feels... Because Jürgen's stop getting gap. a bit of... St- it's absolute stopgap. And, and, and the perfect uh, bit that highlights that, it's got... It's not no right to buy or even obligation to buy. So you've got those two. It's literally just a loan, which basically says, we only want you to come in and cover while we've got the injuries. At the end of the season, you go back to Juve, we don't care. So um, I'm kind of happy we've got some bodies in. He's obviously got a pretty good uh, CV. He was at Barca, um, somewhere in Brazil first, then to Juve. But he's definitely not going to start. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to be um, corrected and maybe he might be outstanding and get his chance in amongst the injuries. But um, it's not a start for me. Well, we'll see. I think it's exactly that. It is a, a sub gap. It's. I'm still pretty sure that you'll end up getting Bellingham next season. Um, I can see him being very open to a Premier League move because English young. I'm pretty sure it's everyone's dream to play in the Premier League and obviously end up in the Champions League as a result. Um, and it feels as though he might be coming to the end of his time at, at Dortmund. Whether that's <coughs> the purported move to um, Madrid or not. I still think it's you, but yeah, it, it definitely feels that way. I don't think it's as bad of a sign as you you say. I, I think it's just a like a six out of ten sign. Isn't it? It's pretty solid standard. He's not like you say. He's not going to pull up trees. He's, he's just going to be there, and he's just going to be able to fill in instead of having to play James Miller centre mid. Which I can't complain about because I think when you are tied to the bare bones, Milner and Henderson's too old to work. Uh, the only thing is, again, I, I don't. I believe he's kind of like a deep lying playmaker kind of thing. He's not really defensive mid. I don't think he's an outright attacking mid. So I think he's kind of a tries to caress the ball around deep lying, maybe of a sort of a Xavi Alonso esque mindset. Um, so I'm not quite sure how that will fit in when we play Fabinho in in that kind of role. Anyway, what we need, I think, we miss is someone like a better that dynamism up and down, a Gerrard-esque number eight that can do a bit of everything, which Bellingham seems to be. And I agree with you. I mean, he, he's going to go next summer. I think that's pretty obvious. It's going to be to Liverpool or Madrid. I think that's, again, pretty obvious. What maybe gives us the benefit is Madrid have obviously now got a bit of a litany of good young midfielders. They've got Camavinga, They've got uh, Valverde. They bought Tuchemeni in the in the summer as well. So would he maybe see that as a barrier to getting in? So that that maybe we need him more, I think, and he would go straight into our starting lineup. So uh, fingers crossed, because I think that'd be the great exactly what we want. But he's going to cost a hundred mil plus easy. Yeah, I won't be surprised if they try and hold you to ransom on that, just because of things like Nunes, um, Anthony, all these of ridiculously priced signings of completely overinflated market as it seems to be it just gets worse and worse and worse every year but yeah Bellingham's going to be under a plus I would expect agreed um, so what we said we'd do let's have a quick rundown of we'll do our top three each of the transfer window as a whole this, this summer and the window and then let's also do a quick breakdown on top three signings of yesterday as well so um, number three for you of the window overall Ooh, um, I'm going to throw a curveball out there. Um, Tyler Adams, I think, uh, looking at stat, and we can find it here really quickly, but he is one of these signings who is going to be ridiculously under the radar because he gets his job done, very much like an Eric Backer, who's still my favourite player of all time, but no one ever will talk about him. He won't do anything extraordinary. Uh, won't do anything that will win you a game, but he will do his job and has been absolutely solid for us so far. Obviously, it's it's quite biased as a Leeds fan to say him, but instead of someone like Sinistera, for example, or Aronson. Uh, but yeah, the stat here, Adams has covered the third most ground of all Premier League players. So he's uh, run uh, 43.7 kilometres. Can you guess who the other two players are that have run more than Kante? Nope. Just this season. Um, no, go on. Uh, Gross at uh, Brian, which wouldn't have got that. Makes sense with how much you run against us uh, the week. And Suchek, which is a weird one. 
He's all we want, especially how they've been struggling. Yeah, I wouldn't give a got either of them in a month for Sundays. But yeah, he, he is a, a very good, not like for like replacement for Phillips, but he will be very good with Rocker this season and he just doesn't stop running. And I haven't seen that sort of dynamism for quite a while at Leeds. It's, it's nice to see. But um, yeah, you're number three. I've gone for Jesus. I think good start. I mean, I think he. I don't think he scored in the first two games, but he scored then a couple in the third. But I think all three matches, or at least two of those three, got a man of the match. I was always a bit, uh, you know, it was a question mark for me at City whether he was actually the right man to lead the line. I think he does look now like he's found his place. He probably is a better big fish in a small pond than at City. Um, so he probably seems to be enjoying maybe the responsibility there. Um as you say, his goal return, he's got more assists than goals, I think, and he seems to be a big part of the way they're playing, even without getting the goals. But, um, yeah, he'd be my number three. Number two for you? Another, it's not Leeds bias, it's actually the opposite, but Leeds themed. Charles de Ketelaar, I think that, so he's gone to AC Milan, unfortunately, and not to Leeds. I think he's going to be an absolute world beater. He's going to be one of these who takes the world by storm, obviously Belgian, and their team is, is growing to be very, very good on the world stage. But a lot of talk about him being the next... Um, De Bruyne, Kennedy, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, which is always the case. And if you're from that country and you've got a good player there... You've got a bit of a silly like, haircut like him, yeah, really squared. Um, <laughs> really squared. But he also a bit, looks a bit like um, a younger Patrick Bamford, which is a weird one. But yeah, I think he is going to be outstanding. And from what it appears to me, and I, in all fairness, I haven't watched any of their opening games because... Not that into Italian football, but AC Milan seems to be, or the fans seem to be quite happy with his signing and how he's played in the first four games. Um, seems to have made quite a bit of an impact. But um, yeah, he, he's definitely going to get better and better. And he's going to be one of these, a bit like Noah Lang, who will stay under the radar to the majority of the world until he just makes that one breakout performance on the main stage. So for me, I probably now have got a bit of your own bias, but I'm, I've gone for, and I feel like I might be saying this wrong after a comment earlier, but Sinistera? Sinistera. Sinistera. Because I think that's an amazing signing by you guys. I think if you look at the value that you've paid for him, which was 30 mil? Uh, just less, I think it was 24, 23, something like that. He had more, considerably more as well, goal involvement, more goals, I think, and more assists than Anthony who's just cost like 96 million euros. So if you, price. if you take that, the, the, the output, I'm always saying to you, I'm an output-driven person. I don't care what people put in, it's what they you get out. If you can get as many goals as someone and not put hardly any, any effort in, like Harlan seems to be able to, then jackpot. So for me, I think he's, a, he's one that's gone under the radar. I would have loved to seen him right from the start of the season get a game. And then admittedly, the first one was in... Barnsley in the cup he scored yeah. a screamer and then he scored it scored again so for me um, if he follows on he, he seems kind of slightly Luis Diaz-esque both from Colombia they have that kind of silky hips to be able to drop the shoulder it seems to be very hard to get the ball off them and clearly can both strike a ball from long range so. two stats two goals from at Leeds um, obviously the other appearances have been off the bench but you can't really argue with that I know one's against Barnsley but the other saves as a point against Everton um, don't disagree I'd like to see him start a lot more and I think obviously with poor Dan James shipped out he will do um, number one let me have a guess who yours is if we are talking about this podcast and we're talking that we know about football if we both don't have the same number one there's clearly something wrong yeah Bama Yang, no. <laughs> Melo. Yeah, it's got to be Harland. Harland, every time. Yeah. Um, he's scary, scary start to the season continues. Isn't it funny though how things change? I remember, again, we talked about and we watched it, the flack he was getting after that, uh, the Chariot Shield. Missed basically an open goal, hit the bar, looked just a bit out of sorts to now. Um, nine goals in five games. Didn't even score in one of those games. So it's really nine goals in four games. Two back-to-back hat-tricks. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, and he just looks one of those that... Just the class about him. Everything he does is dangerous. He cannot touch the ball for the whole game. One chance. Now he seems to have found his groove a bit. Um, scary. And City just given the title now. It's just fine for seconds. Well, you get a lot of... So, again, different pod, a different uh, subject for a different podcast. But... 
biggest missed transfers of all time. So obviously one of the main ones that you always hear is Lewandowski going to Blackburn and that was interrupted by uh, Volcano. <laughs> it was something like that. That's that, right. that interrupted and he ended up going to Dortmund, I think, yes. instead, didn't he? Um, I would say, arguably, and he's going to get better and better, the biggest mistransfer ever is going to be Haaland. He's a Leeds fan, isn't he? But he, Born was, in Leeds. he was at Leeds. So this was, was 17. Uh, we were playing for Mould. Is that you say Mouldy? Um, yep. In Norway. No Goes over to the training ground. Gets shown around it. Um, quite happy to be there. And in talks with the owners, we decide, oh, he's a bit too expensive. Ends up going to Salzburg. Um, that might be the worst decision that anyone's ever made in a football intense not to sign him because he is going to be ridiculous and he's probably going to do it at City for God knows how many years until he decides that he wants to move on and win somewhere else somewhere else but yeah again look at that though not only how well he's doing look at how ridiculous Man you have nearly paid twice what City paid for him for Anthony for a winger who had something like 14 goals and assists last season Haaland, you know, is literally a goal a game across, say, 300 career performances, 250. I mean, he's even more than that now. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's Haaland insane. or Mbappe? Oh, that's a good question. I think it depends on your team. So City needed Haaland more than Mbappe because they've got everything else. They just need that striker. Mbappe's more complete for me and gives you more of a rounded game. Haaland's just a goal machine. So I think it depends on what you've got. City had all the pieces. He was the missing piece. For for Liverpool, I'd go Haaland as well because we've got Salah and Diaz on the wings. But I'd probably take me happy for Liverpool because I think he'd make a bigger difference and play in. But Haaland, oh, it's, a, it's a tough one. I think it depends on the team. I'm not going to sit on the fence like you. And I'm going to say it's Haaland. Haaland at the moment is far more in form, obviously. But far more of an exciting prospect for the exact reason that you've said seems to do minimal and all of a sudden yeah I want to score now just puts ball in back in that it's ludicrous name me more recently I'm sure there has been Miapi never scores an easy goal or a tapping he's, he's, he's Omri on the right wing he's cutting in they're long range he's running he's dribbling he, again they're, 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 they're different players but I think we can probably both agree they are the Ronaldo and Messi of the next generation. And for the next 10 for years, now. they will be the two best players by a long way. I don't think... Well, I, well again, I can't predict the future. Say, I yeah. think I'll be shocked if anyone gets near those. They're, they'll be the Rick Messi and Ronaldo of this generation. At I the think. moment, you can't disagree just because of the fact <laughs> that they're both obviously similar ages and they seem to be doing it consistently. But long way to go before you can say that, I think. Um yeah, in five years, if they're yeah. putting up the numbers and what they're doing then, you could put them in that start to compare. Which you them. would expect them to do. I completely agree with that. I can't imagine that Haaland's just going to decide next year, ah, I'm not that good anymore, or I can't score anymore, and say that Mbappe isn't just going to go off the boil and isn't going to be one of the best young players of all time. Um, but on to, from that, let's talk a little bit more about yesterday. Not that I want to, obviously, as a Leeds fan, but... Best signings of the transfer deadline day? I went a little bit, wrote a bit like you said, left field. I think my three, yesterday, I've got to be honest, I don't think I was overly impressed, if I was honest, yesterday with the deadline days. Um, I think Anthony might have made my top three if they hadn't been bent over and done for the price. The price feels ridiculous, and that has to be factored in. He's nowhere near that level of expense that they paid. Again, nearly twice as much as Haaland. So that drops him out for me. Um, The the only one that I kind of... Okay, start it. So, Aubameyang, purely because... I don't think he's a good signing, but I think Chelsea needed a striker. Desperately. And they had to. So I I don't think he's he's really... he's he's, He's a great signing to ram home about, but he's what Chelsea needed, and they would have been in real trouble without a focal point. So I think if you look at it as part of the club, he would make that top three for me. Um, the other one for me, I think is fairly shrewd because he's been talked about for a while, is Coletta Carr, who... For defender. Southampton. That's right. So from Marseille to Southampton, he's been pretty solid for a few years there. Been linked with a lot. He's been linked with us in the past. And the way that I always look at things, Southampton have a pretty shrewd scouting network. 
If you look at uh, particularly, they've got pretty good heritage with centre-backs. Van Dijk was there. Vestergaard, we've got him all right. He's gone a little bit off the ball for him at uh, Leicester. Uh, Lovren, who was maybe one of the best centre-backs <laughs> in the league the season it was Southampton before we bought him. He went ridiculous. But So him, for me, was a pretty shrewd uh, move. The one that I thought was a little bit bizarre, I'm just going to throw out there, is Carlos Sola. So from Valencia to PSG. 18 million euros, and he'd been talked about as a 50 million pound player a couple of years back. So I, I have a suspicion, I don't know this for sure. Maybe he only had a year left on his contract and he wasn't going to sign again. Think he, he's relatively um, flexible in terms of where he can play. He can be a centre mid, attacking mid, or I think a right wing was where he used to play as a kid. Uh, and I, I think that's good value for money, especially considering some of the silly prices that Paris have paid for other people. So. They would be the three for me. Um, what about you? I've mean, I, I got to agree. I don't think there were any outstanding deals yesterday, really. Um, obviously, the best Italian prospect ever born uh, went to Leeds. But, yeah, there's nothing that really stands out. Aubameyang, definitely. I think because of the fact that Chelsea needed a striker. I rate Aubameyang. He gets a massive bad rep. Even in the times that he apparently wasn't doing well for Arsenal, he was still scoring consistently um, so it might be one to go into the fantasy team for that depending on what his price is um, same in the sense that I would have put Anthony in the top three if not for his price I think he's, he's obviously a good young player there's no doubt in his ability at all but what, 82 million it's just nonsense it's just a ridiculous price it totally is the only thing I'd expect to say on that same a bit like Nunes that's out of the players control yeah and then you're putting a ridiculous amount of pressure on them at that age that they've then got something to live up to but that, you can't blame him for that that's um, that's the problem when a manager wants someone so badly and Ajax have got no need to get the money and just basically said look give, give us a silly amount we'll take it so I think they they played a blinder to get that amount that might be the best transfer ever in terms of what they paid a couple of years ago to I think it was Sao Paulo he was at mm. for what they've got now I think they bought him for 15 mil so in a couple of years you've kind of turned that into 100 that's insane but um, if Aubameyang is my third I, again I won't put Anthony in the top three I'm going to say Maitland Niles as second I think that's a really shrewd signing from Southampton um, Just and again that's sticking to Southampton's um, scouting a team that they seem to get these deals and stay solid throughout the season. They never look like they're going to really go down. They never look like they're going to do anything more. But I think that's a really good sign. I think he's completely been slept on because of what's happened with him recently. But I think he'll do quite well with Southampton. My number one, which again, bit of bit of left field. It was going to be a Kanji to say, but because I don't think he's going to play, I'm not going to get involved with that. James Garner. I really, really rate James Garner, and I think, I think we're about fifteen million that they went for. It went for in the end. You do not care for James Garner at all. I know we've had these conversations before, in which you've said one season doesn't really make him, and a lot of people were talking about quite a big uh, deal for him. In the championship as well. In, in the championship, yeah, I think he'll do very well um, at Evan. I think he's he's got a lot of talent. I'd like to see him at Leeds, to be honest. Until we end up getting other signings, and I'm not. Um, down talking Leeds' his midfield signings but I think he'll do really really well um, for Everton and I think he'll end up going to a bigger club as well because Man U fans are quite gutted from what I can see about him going because he's only young he's got a lot of career left in him and he did really well at Forest again the caveat of it being in the Championship but yeah I think um, I can't put Dan James as my top so I'll have to put him we, we our opinions vastly different there James you were disappointed I think that's a I'm good idea by Leeds I'm he's, absolutely good he's a, he's a speed merchant nothing more he's never in, in, in Man U Swansea was it before even in the Championship never really did it for me kind of a lot of no end product a lot of pace and again ridiculous pace I mean I've seen him absolutely burn some pretty quick people before yeah. that I mean he's a, he's a 10 out of 10 pace wise but yeah I, I He's still only young. I mean, he'll, he'll improve definitely in his finishing. It looks like the deal to Fulham. So it's just a, a season-long loan. Leeds haven't said that there's anything in terms of an obligation or an option. Athletics seem to feel that there's an option, and that, that hurts my soul because I don't want to see him go. If, option, though, if he did well, that could, they can turn down the bid. Obviously, if you've got an obligation, certain many games, or they meet a certain price, it's a bit different. So, you know, option is... It, 
for, for you, if you want him to come back and do well, that's better because if he does prove himself, Leeds could say no. But I think from what you said, it sounded like Leeds didn't really want They've him. They've shown him, though, yeah, yeah they, they, they don't want him in. Um, Dan James' fan crew is going to have to end soon, unfortunately. I'm going to have to shut down it with just me as a member. But funny transfer of the day. Um, Josh Bowler, did you see that? I did see that because I, I, I actually was going to say to you earlier, had you seen that one, bought, correct me if I'm wrong, or from Blackpool yeah. to Forest, yeah. who bought 8,000 people in the transfer window, and sent him out on loan to Olympiacos. Yeah, it's almost as if that deal was very, very dodgy and that the owner owns both of those clubs. Well, the weird thing was, and not to sound even smugger today because it's probably not possible than I am, but... We, we, we've talked quite a lot about Forrest and the ridiculous number of signings they've got. And I actually threw it out to you, didn't I, as a, as a potential conspiracy. Are Forrest having a good go, buying all these players, they get relegated and go down, they just get sold cheaply to Olympiacos. Um, and then you see that transfer and you're like, maybe I'm onto something here. Yeah, but you've got a lot of conspiracies, um, <laughs> some of which can't be repeated on this this podcast. Um, Maybe we should do a, so, no, a, no, a conspiracy do. special. No, do think. no, we will not do that because we'll just get cut down by FBI or something like that. Um, yeah, for, we've got to mention Forrest, haven't we, if we're doing a transfer window um, podcast. 21 or 22 players, a whole new, two new teams. There are reasons for it, and I understand the reasons Um and you'll get absolutely berated by Nottingham Forest fans listening to this. Um, if you do just say you've signed far too many people, essentially they had a squad, the majority of the squad had left because of different reasons. Uh, keep wanting to leave, which is always a strange one. Uh, some players were out of contract. Um, pretty sure Graben went to the Middle East, which were a strange one. But a lot of players decided that they weren't staying. A lot of players were on loan to the return to the club, so they had had to basically rebuild the squad. I still think they've got too many players. They, they, at one point, they were talking about getting the centre-backs in. Obviously, um, Brighton striker, who I can't remember his name, went to Everton. Mopé. Mopé went to Everton. They wanted him. They were trying desperately last second for us to sign um, a Batman from Chelsea. <sighs> Mishi Bashuai. That's the one. Well, I was going to bring that one up because you you informed me that that one was going on yesterday. There's, there's, it seems very Man esque their transfer strategy in that there doesn't seem to be a strategy. So what I mean by that is that, uh, they signed their record signing, the striker on in Winnie, I think, uh, used to be at Liverpool as a kid. Yeah. Um, 17, 18 mil, scored a few Bundesliga goals. Right, we're going to put you in, we're going to make a starter. And then they go and get... Batshuri, uh, you know, and other strikers, which to me, if I was them, what the end. that is not but, a a stamp of approval that we're going to spend all this money on you, you're going to be our, our number one striker, but then we're going to get loads of other people. So it feels a bit like slightly strategy-less, just buy as many people as we can and put loads of good players on a pitch and they might be good. The one that seemed the most ridiculous for them was, was it uh, Gibbs? Yeah, up to, up to 45 million potentially to, to 26 Wolves. up front and then it's up to something like 40 to 50 million insane uh, amount of money but I, 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 we've uh, we, we've got a bet on haven't we that, that, that they will um, bet that you'll lose yeah. I, I, Henderson for me is looking good I always used to think is he any, any good he's actually given the amount of exposure he's getting and the shots he's getting he's, looked, he's saved a penalty from two penalties two yeah, penalties been on the bench for my fantasy team the whole time, accruing points while Mendy's doing nothing, so I need to change that. That's but, a shame. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think they'll be all right. I think they'll surprise a few people, but I think we did say on one of the very first podcasts, they would be the, for me, I would call them, a, a, do a Chef United. Comfortable this year, do quite well. Second season syndrome kicks in, wouldn't be surprised if they went down next season. Did I say that they were going down in the prediction podcast? Yeah, I'm positive you did. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. I think that they're going to just be overinflated. That humbling from City will, will do them good in the sense that they'll realise that they're just fodder for the league. And, uh, I think shorter. City are going to humble some everybody this season. I mean, I'm not looking forward to when we play them. That could, the way that Van Dyke's playing at the moment against Haaland, that might not be pretty. But I think City will make a few people realise just how good they are this year. Yeah, and you'd have to back them for Champions League, I think. And if they don't win Champions League, I'm still saying that they've failed this season. So... Um, gone a bit longer than usual today. Um, any other bits on, on boxing or MMA? We've got uh, Liam Smith's fight tomorrow, so I'm quite excited for that. Um, he's, uh, I don't believe he's fighting for the title. I think it's just a um, 
titleless fight. But yeah, always fun to watch Liam Smith um, get a few beers and, and watch that. And I think he said he wanted to fight Chris Eubank Jr. next, which obviously Chris Eubank Jr. still has a Depends fight. on the outcome yeah, of the yeah, fight exactly. with Ben, doesn't it, I suppose? So you'd expect to see uh, that. The only other one um, is the uh, UFC. So we're going to France this weekend. I'd forgotten about that and I slept on that a bit. I mean, Garnet is is good. It's quality, very high level kickboxer. Uh, Ty Tavaza, um, knockout artist. Have you ever seen him do his shoeies? No, you know this? I can't even pronounce his name. So I think it's Ty Tavaza, and every time he wins, he goes and does what? Uh, Did even know what a shoey is? I didn't. Is it drinking something out of a shoe? Yeah. So <laughs> he goes to someone in the crowd, gets their shoe, pours a beer into it, and downs it, and. I mean, how, as a professional athlete, all joking aside, that's rank. Someone you don't even know shoe. But uh, every time he wins, he does it. It's kind of something that uh, you know he's, he's known for and comes with him. But that would be a pretty good fight. I mean, that's a bit under the radar. I'd kind of slept on that a little bit. Um, well, as I say, it's in France, so it's um, definitely normal time. I think as well, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first ever UFC event in France, maybe the second, maybe there were one before, but France was very backwards in terms of its approach to MMA. It was only even legalised, I think, a year, maybe two ago. It was literally, it was illegal to have MMA in the country. So I have a feeling they may have done one smaller one, but Garnet is by far and away the biggest French, natural, naturalised, or sorry, natural French UFC participant. The only other one I think who is his adopted country is France, is in Garnou, who beat Garnet before. Um, We've got uh, Whitaker and Vittori um, also on, on that same card, and that's the middleweight bout, so might be worth watching. I, uh, I would have thought as well that winner of that puts himself maybe in line for the next shot at Adesanya, probably yes, after Pereira. Two, isn't it? Pereira is going to definitely get that one. Uh, on a side note, just as we come on to it, one thing I did see uh, this week that I hadn't appreciated at the time was the last fight that Pereira fought where he looked amazing. So, obviously, fight at middleweight, um, weighs in at 185 for the fight Friday morning. Take a guess what he weighed on fight day. I don't, they showed a picture. I mean, we could probably even find this picture, but... Less or more? Significantly more. 200? 220. <laughs> Well, 45 pounds that he put on overnight in hydration. The difference, if we can find the picture now, okay, is insane. How dehydrated and shredded he looked for the weigh-in compared to the next day where he just looked big. Now, Adesanya's not that big. That Pereira holds two wins in kickboxing over Adesanya, the only person to ever beat him. And Adesanya's not going to be able to take him down and wrestle him because that's not his style. So I'll tell you what, it's a dangerous, dangerous fight for Adesanya and that's one I really can't wait for. But he he's a bad motherfucker, Alex Pereira. He's got steel hands. He seems to flatline everybody he touches. As um, my man Joe Rogan would say, the touch of death. If he just catches you, he's going to put... Found the picture. No, I can't find it. Well, we're going to have a look at it, but it's, it's worth looking at. Just it's the significance between the two is crazy. But yeah, yeah that, I just I did read that this week. I, I've never heard of anyone blow up that much. Most of them, when they've weighing at one eight five, are kind of coming in, you know, well over two hundred, two oh five maybe on on fight night, two twenties. That's a heavyweight. Yeah, that's, that's a ridiculous amount as well. Um, before we go, just because it wouldn't be one of these podcasts without me mentioning it, <laughs> did you happen to watch? The KSI event. No. No. Fought two boxers in one night. Um, I use the word boxers very liberally there, clearly, because um, one guy ran away the entire fight. The second guy also ran away the entire Method fight. Method of victory, both by decision? I mean, they're they're both by knockout. Knockout, right? It, it's not really a knockout. It, honestly, um, have a watch of it on YouTube or something. It's humiliating. KSI hasn't... He fought... Jake's brother, didn't he? Yes. First fight. They're both first professional fights. They fought and KSI beat Logan Paul, correct? In the second fight. So the first fight was a draw, just to make more money. Right, okay. It always, be, always seems to be. Um, he then called out uh, a number of people that were ridiculous, but um, Andrew Tate, he called out. <laughs> Boxing just gets My more ridiculous. My Yeah, I was going to say, it just gets more and more ridiculous. Um, but that feels like quite a, a good place to end it. Do you want to mention about winning another bet? Because uh, you went 2-1 up. 
Quite we did. It. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, it was good odds on that one. Bit, I, I'm going to... People are going to probably be thinking, what is this guy talking about? One was the German fourth division, yeah. fourth tier, uh, and the other one was the second division of Portugal. So I like to think my, my I've got my knowledge spans a, a unique set of, 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 of games like that, but brilliant odds. Uh, I know you uh, you got on it uh, only probably an hour after I posted it, and the odds have substantially reduced. So I think the bookies may be real, yeah. and I, I hope that's because everybody listening was jumping on it that made the bookie goes down. But we'll, I'll keep an eye out for more bets this weekend, and some of them have recently. We've had the, the two winners we've had have been decent odds. So yeah, yeah, positive, definitely. But um, no, thanks very much for listening. As always, uh, keep listening to it and uh, keep watching our social media feeds.